We're back after five on this episode. We have the pleasure of sitting down with Corey Richardson. Um, I'm feeling truly blessed to have Corey in here tonight. Um, he has a diverse resume that I'm really excited to get into. Um, right now, you are locked down because of the COVID-19, but you own a gym. Yes. Yes. So, what, like, what kind of... Uh, it's not a CrossFit gym. It's a... Um, no, I mean, what we specialize is high-intensity lifting. Uh, we focus a little more away from the cardio aspect and really just focus on the weight. But uh, a similar style to CrossFit, but uh, just a little bit different approach. So, like, what what's, like, the demo? Like, you have, like, a diverse group of people that come in? Do you have, like, a lot of police, military? What kind of people come into your gym? As, uh, as we started to grow, you know, leading right into this, you know, the gym is only a little over a year old um, as we are Growing leading into this pandemic, uh, our demographic was actually pretty young, but we finally started to get some traction amongst, you know, different groups of people instead of just young guys and girls in their, um, you know, early, early 20s, early 30s. But, uh, you know, now uh, I guess I guess we'll see what happens now because, uh, yeah, we kind of uh, lost the momentum that we had, but uh, we'll get it back. I think you have you have good online presence. I see. I see you on Facebook a lot, like promoting your gym, promoting yourself with like the videos. Yeah. Um, you have a daughter. Yes. Right? She's she's in a couple of those videos. Yeah. She looks hardcore. How old is she? She she's about to be a year in eight days, and uh, and then we have another little one on the way, and um, she'll be here in September. So, uh, you know, this pandemic couldn't have happened at a better time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how pandemics happen. I yeah. Guess, you yeah. Know. <laughs> So, like, leading up to, like, owning a gym, like, what what led you, did you play sports in high school or college, or, like, what, what did you do that, like, led you to, like, that culture or, like, want to do that? Yeah, I've always played sports my entire life, and then, um, you know, from before elementary school to, uh, you know, through high school, and then uh, right after high school, I went right into the military. So, I've always been in a, uh, you know, a, a, a fitness form of, you know, a fitness culture of some sort, you know, whether it was training in the military or sports before, um, you know, and then really in the military, you know, training soldiers and stuff like that really became a passion of mine. And uh, after getting out, kind of figuring out what the, the next steps to take in my life were, um, you know, a gym just kind of started to make sense. And, uh, you know, I love as you guys do, like, you know, being an entrepreneur and, you know, the, the hope and the idea of working for yourself and, you know, kind of creating your own fate. Um, that was also, you know, a huge driver of mine. Um, so, you know, it just seemed like the, the perfect fit and the, the perfect way to go. How did you, how did you get into training people in the military? Was that like an organic thing where you got a bunch of buddies and you're like, dude, I'm going to make you stronger. Or was it like an appointed position? Uh, so basically, you know, in, in the military and stuff, um, you know, just kind of as you go through and you gain rank and stuff like that. Also, because, you know, I was in really good shape. Um, I was in better shape then than I am now. But, uh, you know, it just kind of leading by example, you know, a lot of older NCOs and uh, leaders will kind of look down to you to start training your peers and get them on your level to make sure that, you know, we're all in the best shape we can be, you know, getting ready to deploy and go to war. So it just kind of happened organically, I guess right. you'd say. Yeah. Right. Dude, yeah, I remember, I remember Corey, like, even in elementary school, he was a grade above me yeah. with, uh, like, 
like Russell and yeah, yeah. those guys. Um, dude, Corey was like hardcore in like the second grade. Like <laughs> we just like, dude, I remember like on the playground, like they lit like the first graders and the second graders play one time. And I was just like, oh shit, dude, I do not want to tangle with that kid. <laughs> no, no wrestling. But like, him. dude, honest to God, like, like he looked hard, but like he was all, he was always like, just like a real, really good dude. So like he, he had the reputation of being tough, but, um, you know, but never a bully. No, oh, absolutely no, right? not. Absolutely not. No, but thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, he, he, like, Corey, you, like, knew he stood for something. Like, you were just like, <laughs> oh, shit. Like, you, like, didn't know what it was. But, yeah, that was, that, I just, like, I remember it was definitely, like, second grade or third grade. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of always been in my blood. What, what, uh, what sports did you play growing up? Baseball, football, never really basketball. Uh, I, I was just terrible at it. Just never, never good at it. Um, wrestling, but um, wrestling and football were my two biggest sports. And then baseball just kind of during those two off seasons, give me something right. to do. Yeah. But, yeah. Damn. It's good. And then you, uh, what branch of the military did you go into? Army. Army. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I did the Army for four years, and then uh, after that, I got out for a little bit, and then I picked up a contract with the private military and went back during the uh, the ISIS conflict and stuff there. So, you know, for the past couple of years, it's kind of been really my focus and stuff until I got out and decided to move forward. You know? Right, right. Yeah, do you, do you look back on your time in the Army positively? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I would have, uh, you know... As many bad things that happen, you know, a lot of incredible things happen as well, you know, which again, it, it all steps that kind of lead to where you're at now. And, right. Um, you know, I don't regret anything at all. You know, obviously you wish certain things didn't happen, but, you know, it is what it is. It comes with the territory. So. No, for sure. Do you think, do you think like your, like your physical fitness being a part of your job and like a part of like your sustainability in that environment do you think that plays into you being a more successful or maybe you have a different approach in training physical fitness now? Like you have obviously something more to bring to the table if you're like, hey, like you can get people fired up because like you know what it means to like need that energy. Yeah, and uh, I think it, it definitely helps with me separating my approach to, you know, other people because – um, you know, a lot of the things that I had to do, you, you have to self-motivate. It takes self-motivation, self-discipline. It just helps bring fitness and all that to reality, whereas everybody wants a magic pill and, you know, everybody wants the, the easy way out and, you know, stuff like that. I am very realistic with people, you know, not that I'm in their face screaming at them like I would in the military. It's just that that's not what I would do in my gym, but I am just very real with people and very honest with them about how how we're going to get you to your goal and you know to stop making excuses for yourself and stuff like that like every everything your your success is dependent on you and um i think a lot of gyms try and um mislead people into thinking that you know they're you can you can take the minimal effort or you can take these pills and these supplements and all that kind of stuff and uh you know, it just, again, not to talk bad about other people, but, uh, you know, it's just, that's just what differentiates my, my person things. Well, I mean, it's just, they're, it's not, it's, yeah, it's, it's not talking truth. bad. It's just facts. Yeah, it's just, yeah, fact, just honesty. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, <laughs> it would be unique to, like, kind of offer, like, like, maybe a step up experience yeah. for, like, 
hardcore Corey. Like, <laughs> like you come in, like maybe like you just stay a little bit later and you just like turn it up. You turn it up a notch. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, could, I could do that. Like, <laughs> put on like army cadences and yeah. just like explosions in the background. Just start like. <laughs> I could, <laughs> I could definitely do that. That might be in the strobe light. Like, yeah. yeah just like, do, are you are you like in the gym working out and helping people most of the time while you're there? Yeah, yeah. So you're very active with your clients. Yeah. And so you know, I, I coach them and stuff. You know, demonstrate in the beginning, and then kind of as they go into the workout, I'm walking around the room and um, you know, and helping them and stuff like that. Again, I I'm not there to scream at people and stuff like that unless that is something. That they want, but um, it really is just, you know, kind of just grounding people in reality and helping them and, uh, you know, showing them what they need to do. And help to build that culture. Yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah. Do you, do you have any, like, law enforcement um, or, like, firefighters, any, like, first responders that train at your gym? Surprisingly, no. Uh, actually, don't have any. Um, I have a couple that have, you know, stopped by and expressed interest, but um, actually, I, none at all. What's your gym called? Uh, it's Gym 101 over in Warminster on uh, York Road. Yeah, do you have, like, a website or anything like that? Yeah, so it's uh, gym101fit.com, um, and you can also find our Facebook page, which is Gym, gym 101 with, uh, you know, a subwet of high-intensity lifting. Um, so, yeah. So, it's like actually that's a really awesome. good name. I like that name. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, a good name. I, Warminster, that's not yeah. too far from us. No, that's intriguing. Like, I'm just saying. <laughs> intriguing. We, yeah, we had a whole podcast, and an episode one time about, like, John committing to get fit and it's been up and down. There's been, there's been good, there's been good weeks and bad weeks. Yeah. It's definitely a struggle. I it's admit struggle. it's my own fault. I have lots of faults when it comes to that, but nah. it's, it, it's tough. And it's then we tough. had the COVID, not an excuse, but <laughs> that, uh, well, yeah, he signed up for the gym. <laughs> he <laughs> like, he literally signs up for the gym and the next week it was like the gym was closed. <laughs> we, we went to the gym one time yeah. together and I was just like, it's a great time. Oh man. <laughs> it's a great Damn. time. Damn. <laughs> but it is, man. It, it's tough to get into the routine, and that and that's what it's all about. It's 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 forcing yourself to get into that routine. Yeah. Once, once you're in that routine, it's easy. Once you're in it, you're in it. Which is why I I've named my gym Gym One Hundred One. Have you ever gotten out of the routine? Yes, in your, you have. I have. Yeah. And, and uh, what happened to your life? Did you did it fall apart? Yeah. They and uh, <laughs> yeah, really. Good. Like, you know, I, yeah, I was like sixty pounds overweight. Oh, and, uh, you yeah. know, it was just just terrible. You know, you just feel like shit about yourself, and uh, you know. It's uh, you know it, it's just not a good place to be mentally, um, you know, and it's just it's crazy how just you know a little bit of exercise and stuff like that can just dramatically change your life and your outlook and your approach and the way you wake up in the morning and stuff and like that. That's what really you know keeps me addicted to it. And and again, it's hard to get into that routine, but uh, after it, you know a lot of times you're waking up the next morning and stuff and you're hating your life because yeah. you're so sore, but. Once you get over that, and um, you know, just the benefits outweigh the risk, you know, a million times over. I'm trying to think what it's like, but it, you know, if you're on like a, a spinning wheel and you're in concrete and the wheel's not loose yet, and you're putting all your effort and you finally get some momentum, or like let's say you're climbing a big hill cycling, mm. right? You're stuck at the bottom in a bad gear. It takes a while to get going, but once you get going, yeah. the momentum carries you into just an exponential progression yeah absolutely right yeah until you reach the until next you hill reach the next hill and then i think i a can't lot of, i can't speak from experience from there because i think that's i i personally <laughs> no i personally think that's why some people not all some people slip up when they do get that momentum because you know they 
It's like they, they reach, they goal. go to the Broad Street run, and they're like, okay, like brunch, and then it's like brunch rolls into Monday, and then it's like, all right, like you feel good about yourself, so like you make a couple excuses, and then next you know it's been three weeks, and you've only gone to the gym thirty percent of the time you normally do. Like it's hard, so you always have to have that. Like that's why people look at like the events that like i try to participate in like with like triathlons and stuff and they're like dude like that's those are canceled well yeah they're canceled right now too (laughs) um that's insane and i'm like no but it's just like i'm 32 years old and i've been like it's steps it's like i didn't wake up at 18 and start doing this what's the peak age for a man's fitness isn't it mid-30s that's a yeah. I mean, it's debated. Yeah, there's you know statistics that can support every side, but I mean, I based off of experience and um, you know just like real life things I've seen, I would say like you know yeah, mid thirties. Yeah. 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 Do you have any like from like the military? Do you have any like, knee injuries or anything like that? Just from like the grind. Yeah. Um. I mean, my left knee. I'm I'm missing a third of my patella tendon. Um. You know, it had to after. You know, things went a little wrong um, over there at one point during a firefight. I ended up, as we were trying to evac, and, you know, a Humvee door ended up slamming on my knee. And uh, those doors are about 400 pounds, and uh, my knee was just caught in in the door jam as the driver Mm -hmm. was taking off trying to, you know, trying to Mm. get the fuck out of there. And um, so that it basically, um, you know, chipped off a piece of the bone of my knee, went straight through the patellar tendon, and then just the wear and tear like that tendon just so, got destroyed. So what's that like? You get back, you get back to where you're evacing to. Yeah, your adrenaline's slowly yeah. wearing off. You're like, yeah. fuck, I think my knee's really hurt. Or did you know right away your knee was fucked up? No, it, it took a little while. It took for the adrenaline completely wear off. Yeah. Like I got, I mean, it, of course, when the door slammed, I was like shit you know but it sure. was um not until you know probably the next day when it was really just like all right so something went something went wrong so do know? they do they send you someplace to go rehab and fix or was it just i did, had, did you were you able to live with it i w- i was able to deal with it um you know with my medics helping me out and stuff daily and you know just kind of keeping an eye on it you know surgery was not an option over there um so like i would have had to come home and I, I wouldn't have gone back. So I would have had to leave my unit and leave my boys over there and stuff. And, right. um, you know, it just, if I could still, I could still move. I could still do my job. I could still, so, you know, it, it hurt, but, um, you know, and that's probably what ended up leading to more and more of the wear and tear and more and more of the tendon getting torn that eventually it just had to be removed. So, yeah, you know, I'm dealing with that, you know, it was, uh, which was, it was after that, which is what I gained that 60 pounds that I was telling you about. And I got, you know, massively out of shape, you know, right. like, again, like yeah, injuries are, are yeah. very definitely a way to fall off. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have a choice. Like, it's kind of hard to like, depending on how your, your rehab is and your drug right. schedule is and how, what they prescribe to you. Yeah. Things can get out of control pretty quick. Thick you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. And, you know, it just took getting over that and, uh, you know, to honestly, you know, stop feeling sorry for myself and just, you know, start to start working again. Right. You know, I can make all the excuses in the world as to why I can't do things with my name, but again, they're excuses. So, it, was that in between when you got out of the army and then you went to yeah. uh, private contracting? Yeah. So I got I got out and um, th- there's about four years in between when I decided to pick up a contract. It was during that time that, uh, you know, probably that first two, three years of getting out of the military, you know, 
dealing with the recovery of the injury, feeling sorry for yourself, blah, 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 coming home, drinking all the time, you know, the right. <laughs> things can spiral out of control mm-hmm. very quickly. And, um, you know, next thing I know, I'm looking in the mirror and I'm, you know, don't even recognize the person I was. I'm 60 pounds overweight, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, sometimes that's what it takes, you know, something just clicks and it's like, you know what, it's and, time to go. And you went back to the contract because it felt like a life that you sort of knew. Yeah, and um, so I went back to the contracting because of all the shit that was going on with ISIS at the time. Yeah, and um, they're basically yeah. taking over the entire Middle East. Yeah, at one point. Yeah, at that point. So yeah, this was back in 2014, 15, 16. Can you um, explain like who you worked for, like what your contract was for, and like anything like that? Yeah. So my contract was. Um, it was I'm sure everybody's heard of Blackwater. Um, now Blackwater was dissolved in um 2000. 12 or 13 i think because mm-hmm. of some things that went very bad over there but um you know it was you know these companies like this are never dissolved they're reabsorbed so um blackwater was reabsorbed by a group called academy and then um absorbed by a group called constellus and constellus uh has basically two um well now it has three or four i believe they're absorbing many of the private militaries mm-hmm. but um so my contract was with constellus group doing executive protection basically doing high threat protection for the U S ambassador in Baghdad, Iraq, when all that was going on. So my team, I was directly responsible for ambassador Stuart Jones's safety, and um, you know, safety and oversight while we were over there. So many questions I have. Yeah. How old, yeah. so how old were you when that was going on? That was 2015, right? I'm 32 now. Um, was I 26, 27, 27-ish. Yeah, like think about I like mm. think about how many twenty seven year olds we know. Yeah. Not managing that kind of responsibility. No. Yeah. No. And you're over there, you're protecting mm. ambassador. You stay with them or they give you like a a a compound or Yeah. So um basically we lived on the US so again at this point now the situation over there, the US military was pulled out. Right. There right. was there were still people it's, there, but they yeah. had to stay um, confined to their compounds. So the one compound, there was two compounds that the military was still on in Baghdad anyway. The one was the USMB, U.S. Embassy compound. Mm-hmm. And then there was another one across the street, which just was for the military housing. Now, the military was no longer allowed to be on the streets of Iraq, period. That was, you know, one of the Iraq, Iraqi government stipulations. So the, the, the U.S. military, um, they guarded their compound and they guarded our compound. Now, when the U.S. ambassador needed to leave and go places to, um, you know, have meetings and stuff with uh, Iraqi locals and stuff like that, because, again, over there, it's not culture. It's not a thing to call somebody up on a cell phone. And, uh, you, you have know, to go and do have a sit down. Kinda. Yeah, they, they have things face to face and, um, you know, to show respect for their culture and everything like that. The U.S. ambassador would have a lot of meetings to, you know, to go to. And um, so it was my team's responsibility to provide his, you know, mobile protection, get him to these places, let him have his meeting, get him back. And um, and again, so we weren't the loophole there was that we weren't military. You know, we weren't U.S. government military. We were a private military. We were a right. private organization. So contracted we, for the Defense Department's yeah. services. So that's how we got. A, that's pretty around. that's pretty common. Yeah, it's more common than people I think realize. No, yeah, I think it's yeah. going to become. It's, it's also it's, it's I think it's also now, better. I think it sometimes also pans out better financially. 
for the I, U.S. as well. Because like think financially, it's like a business. They have to operate the business. Yeah. They have to make money. Yeah. They have to find the right. Do you did you ever find like what was the difference in dynamic between being in like the military and like in private military? Were you able to like get more stuff? And at, did you have access to more stuff in private? Was it like more luxurious? Like what, what was that kind of difference? Being in the private military, I mean, honestly, it was like the dream job for any veteran or anything like that. Like it, it was like a vacation compared to the real military. I mean, we had the most badass equipment you could imagine. We had, you know, up armor, blacked out SUVs, up armor, V12 BMWs. We had, you know, I'm just er, everything you could imagine. The goods. That, yeah. You know, the store, air, air conditioning, the store, you know? the whole store, yeah. air conditioning, yeah. <laughs> air conditioning, <laughs> yeah. a lot yeah. of things. Wait, it's <laughs> <laughs> I love how, yeah, like air conditioning. Think, how, yeah. think about the, the context of that, that he's saying that. Yeah. You know, Dude, yeah. We got a couple veterans that listen to this that are going to be like, God damn it. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. I know what he's saying. Air conditioning. Yeah. You're in a fucking desert, and it's fucking hot. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's true. Like, seriously, it was. It was. It was luxury, you know, compared to compared to the military, you know. But you know, and obviously, and we got paid well. You know? Right. So, yeah. and what made you stop that? Was that just like because you were talking about you transitioning to the gym, and that was just time to move on? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was uh, it was a personal thing. You know, like I, my family had stood by for four deployments. Now, you mm. know, the the stress on a family is more than it is on the person deploying themselves. You yeah. know, because they're just left in the dark. They're left in the unknown all the time. You know, um, and uh, so at that point. You know, um, they they understood why I picked up that contract with the private military. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it was something personal that I had to go do. Um, but after, you know, after another deployment, you know, just seeing them going through what they're going through, you know, on a daily basis, I, you know, I kind of realized that, you know, it's, it's selfish of me at this point. Um, you know, I've... I've done a lot over there. I've done a lot for the country. It's time to, you know, take care of my family and, uh, you know, yeah. So. I think that's, that's a, that's a tough statement to say that it was selfish for you to stay there because you're doing very selfless things right. for the country, but you felt selfish to yeah. the, your family doing it. I mean, I wonder, I don't know. I'm completely out of my ball game here, but. Well, they, that's, there's, there's a book to reference there. Um, it's by the guy, um, I think Matt Best wrote it, actually. Mm. That goofball from whatever, <laughs> that Ranger Up company. He wrote a book called Thank You for My Service. And the premise of his book was, like, his time as an army ranger. Like, people always thank him for serving the community, like, the country. But it makes him uncomfortable because in his heart, he wants to be like, hey, thanks for you know, contributing your tax dollars for letting me have the most badass job right. on the face of this earth. So it's yeah. like, you're torn. You're like, yeah, yeah, I served, but like we had a great time. And he's like, it was bad. And like you, you make sacrifices, but like ultimately the book concluded that like, right. You know, like you just say, okay, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, it is like, you know, again, like I, don't get me wrong. It's the nicest thing in the world when people come up and tell you, you know, thank you for your service and everything mm. like that. And, uh, but it is like, there's just, there's so much more that just is behind it and everyone's decisions to go and do things and stuff. Like, you know, like we, like a lot of veterans do get very awkward because like, you know, like they're like, like 
you know, you, you don't need to thank me. You know, this was, there was a lot of things that went behind this decision. And like, you know, like, it's not like I did this for you to feel like you have to thank obliged me. to thank me. Right. Like you don't need to thank me, you know, like, at all. Um, which is why you'll see like a lot of veterans, but they'll get very awkward. Cause you know. yeah. yeah, I know. I know most of the veterans I know, like definitely do it on, the, definitely live on the down low. Yeah. 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 I th- it's also, well, that book also touched this. The second point of that book was that like, he he wanted everybody to stop feeling bad for veterans because yeah. like their company is such a right. veteran based company like it's pretty much all they do and he was like he's like look like the whole the whole idea is that like they come like you come back and you're this torn up individual with no direction and you ruin everything and you crash like you crash your dad's car and like and he's like dude some of us come back and like we, we start businesses and we find success and like we look like it's not always like don't this feel bad, case like right. don't feel don't look at me and be like oh he's a veteran like I wonder I wonder like I, I wonder if he sleeps at night or right. like and all the awkward things that come with being a veteran when you come home and it was like trying to shed light on that in a humorous way but like in a way to be like hey can you just like yeah. cool cool down and I was just like oh that's a unique it was a, it was a un, it was unique it was a, it was a definitely something I hadn't read before absolutely because a lot of a lot of veterans do want you to think that we're victims you know like we're not victims you know we we made our disorder like i I was a big boy when i made the decision you know like um i'm not a victim like you know whatever things that i'm dealing with like i'll I'll deal with them like you don't need to feel bad for me and stuff like that again these are my decisions you don't need to feel bad for my decisions and um but a lot of you especially you know not so much now anymore but like (laughs) A few years back, you would you would see tons of things of veterans just wanting people to feel bad for them, and um, you know, and I mean, I, 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 I would be willing to bet if you looked at their service history that you know they there ain't nothing to feel bad for, and, yeah. You know, but you know, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole. But um, but we're not we're we're not victims, you know. We're not um, do, do people have their problems that they need to deal with? Absolutely, but you don't need to feel any guilt or feel bad for us that you know yeah i guess like you said feel bad you know your your family sacrifices a lot too yeah i think law you know law enforcement any anybody that puts their life on the line every day even guys that like work on the line you know like the crazy high power lines yeah out of helicopters and shit like well they canceled did you hear they canceled cops paramount counseled cops Dude, I love and live pd i can never figure live, out that shit live pd was, that, also, was it really dude, live do my little we all- do my little brother <laughs> jan he do that Live Pete, I text him this morning, and he's out and like on a training thing, and he um he texts me. He's like, "Son of like, dude, you could tell like I could like usually yeah. he doesn't text back real quick because he's yeah. like doing something. He texts back right away, four forty five a.m. He's like, "Son of a bitch!" <laughs> like I'm like, "Yeah, dude, Live PD, you, I hope you DVR'd that stuff. It's gone." Like, gone. and what I think is terrible about that one thing one thing that I did hear about the producer of Cops, he. He made a statement to um, a reported, like a recorded statement that they actually actively changed the demographics that they showed on the TV to be dominant white because they didn't, for years, they never wanted to catch shit from any of the minority 
like they didn't want to stir anything up because they didn't want to show like they would just show the white trash instead of they would show the white trash more they would purposefully film in white trash areas and not just because they were like we don't want to draw any heat it's probably way more entertaining to be honest and honestly i was like dude you if you took out what their skin color was you're just filming poor people Poor people, the problem, <laughs> all the problems in the street. Not if enough. You, like we not, talk wait. about, we talk about purple people here, <laughs> yeah. and purple people is everybody. And yeah. we're just like, dude, if they're filming the purple people, it would just be the poor people. They don't have enough rooms in their house to run, so they have to go outside, and then shit gets bad. Yeah, right. But we were talking like, and you could probably re- relate to this stress more than anybody else in this room. The police that we know, um, and I know that you know police as well. Like they deal with things and come home day to day and have to like collectively figure out their emotions and the stress and everything like that of dealing with like the day's like service with their family every day like what like what do you think like that transitions like or like what do you like is there anything to say to that i mean is it's hard, you know. Uh, I think one thing when people think about the police is that they very, very quickly forget that it is just a job. It is a job. It's human beings. Like, how much now you guys probably enjoy your jobs because you do what you love and this is your business, you know. But now most people, like, how many people love going to work every day? You know, how many, like, again, it's it's most most police just are there to, to make ends meet for their family and provide a good, stable future for their family. You know, that doesn't necessarily, so, you know, again, now putting it in the job aspect, you know, as much people, as many people hate their jobs, like, police are also not immune to that. So when you're already frustrated and stressed out and not necessarily enjoying your job, and then you come across these situations where, um, you know, where people are either antagonizing you or, um, you know, people just start off hostile and now the whole situation is just, you know, going into a hostile area. You know, it's very quick. It, that's why things can spin out of control very quickly because, again, like the police officers are not immune to emotions and stress and having yeah. a bad day. And, and they, um, they also don't necessarily get trained as hard as you may get trained, like when you go to when you go to boot camp in the military, you're screamed at probably the entire time. Yeah, right. You're yeah. Used what to what it. unit were you in the army? Like f- when you finally were? Yeah, I was in the 101st Airborne Division in a uh, infantry recon unit uh, known as RISTA. But um, so you know, at so like that's like you know, just so everybody knows, like that's yeah. Yeah. But but like he, he you got, know he got dirt on his boots. But I don't think police ever get screamed at like that and get used to being screamed at and yeah. and I mean there's a reason they do that during basic training so that all soldiers can take like intense yeah screaming and it's figure usually, out how to slow down. Right? Usually you're yelling when you're communicating because you because ha- it's loud. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and they do. You know they they try and um, you know induce stressors and stuff like that. You know as you know in whatever form that may be and have them constantly applied on you. So that when you do end up in these stressful situations, you can remain calm. Because, again, you know, a soldier's best weapon isn't his rifle, it's his mind, you know. Um, And I know that a lot of people don't realize that. But, again, like if you can stay calm in situations, you have a much better chance of thinking through these situations as chaos plays out around you. 
And like you're saying now, a lot of police may not. I I don't know. I've never gone through police training, but Mm -hmm. I don't think it's like that. Um, I think it's more like educational type things. And um, so, yeah, when, uh, you know, when emotions get involved and tension starts to rise. Yeah. I mean, they're humans. Yeah. They're, you know, they're not they're not immune to it. So if an escalation or a situation starts escalating, yeah. I remember the remember the first building flood I had uh, when we were managing apartments. It's like a hundred unit. I apartment. think of that. I think of that Disney movie where Mickey Mouse like does some. What's it called? Fantasia or something? Maybe where yeah. like the water starts flooding in. He starts all the yeah. buckets. Oh, start dude, doing. the first flood I went through was <laughs> was you get you know it's always at night, right? The, the emergencies can't happen at one o'clock in the afternoon. So no. you get the call one thirty a.m. Fire alarms going off. You're like, fuck, is this a test? You get another call. And then you got to drive down there. And when you get down there, you know, there's four foot of water in the basement. You're like, Jesus. You know, those, so the first ones you go through completely, you know, right. you're not as emotionally stable as it is if it is the fifth. Yeah. By the time a seasoned veteran gets done, by the 10th one, you're calm. Right. You know what to do. Things are calculated. And, you know, I, I think that's exactly what you're talking about. How well do you think, or like how well was the training that you went through like basic and then you went through like infantry training or infantry school jump school and then like what other schools did you go through before deploying i went through uh so i went through basic and then uh like in uh in the army your base training your infantry it's all rolled into um it's all rolled into like just a longer basic training so i went through that then i went immediately to airborne school no, I got my orders to go to the hundred and first. I went. Uh, I was there for a couple of weeks, and I got lucky. Is that what you wanted? Yeah, that, I got really lucky in that. But that was the that was one of the big reasons I joined the army. Like I wanted to be a part of the hundred first airborne division. And what was the driver be, be, to like to be in one one? Honestly, I think just because I was a huge history buff, you know, through high school and everything like that, and um, you know, just seeing the impact that the hundred first had, you know, in in almost every war, uh, in every war, you know, it was just. I don't know. I was just like, wow. Like I, I the prestige. Yeah, like was World War Two the first time they put the hundred first into operation? It was the first time the hundred first jumped. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, it was the first time they. Uh, I think it was. It was probably. The f- I think it was the first war that like any airborne unit jumped. But like that was when like the hundred and. And it turned out to be a complete disaster for the 101st Airborne. Oh, sure. Big like, time injuries yeah, and trees like, and yeah, like it's missed not drops, like, market huge casualties. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's not like it went smooth. No. They're like, that's why I was like. Yeah, you watch the videos yeah. of like the interviews of those guys and they're like, yeah, man, most of us got took out in the trees like in the beginning. Yeah. Like it's just Completely like. Completely missed the drops. Damn. And they, then and they tried. Like, Holy shit. In the, in the darkness at yeah. night while there's anti-aircraft rounds coming up at you. Yeah. Like that's a. That's they tried a, Operation Market Garden and that didn't exactly go. Yeah, that's a no, huge like, flop too so right so yeah it's not like it, was like it didn't really start well <laughs> no and there's just kind of as the unit developed throughout the future and like you know even that being their history of just you know but again like that that during world war ii when they first started jumping like the amount of like honestly the amount of courage it would have to oh, be yeah. the first the risk to do that yeah and then it just go horribly wrong like but they still fought their way out and that might have been the yeah. first time they still had a large impact that yeah. was yeah. For despite sure. despite all that thing, no, they, they still, still they still grouped like in big time and, and got their targets you know yeah. captured. But <laughs> imagine that's probably the first time in history where a soldier has been dropped behind enemy lines with no support. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, I yeah. think there was. The, I think actually in World War One there was um, gliders. That's a, I wasn't sure if it was, I. I honestly don't know. So I'm not gonna act like I do. Is it Germans? <laughs> yeah, but World War One. <laughs> I'm not. That sure. was a nasty. Dude, call me out, dude. We literally took Nazis and built NASA. That's how far the Nazis were ahead of us. Like the Germans, and it wasn't the Nazis; it was the Germans. Like yeah. they just happened to be the Nazi party when the Germans were the smartest people on the face sure. of the earth. Yeah, I wonder why that was. <laughs> All the money they put into it, dude. If we could replicate like that disciplined culture. Without all the negative fascist bullshit and the killing of everybody else that wasn't white <laughs> and blonde hair and blue eyes. <laughs> like, if we could somehow capture that, like, because think about this. Like, oh, dude, here, I just got an actually an idea. I'm going to oh, roll it. Uh, here we here. go. This is going to be dangerous. So, everybody's getting canceled right now, right? It's cancel yeah. culture. Like, if you did something, like, you did blackface or you did something to, like, hurt somebody's grandmother's feelings back in the day. BMW and Volkswagen, none of those companies rebranded after World War II. And they all built, like, they were part of, big time part of the Nazi war machine. Yeah. Audi as well, because, like, Audi built the Zero. I think the car was called the Zero, and at the time it was, like, commissioned by the Hitler camp to build the fastest car. So, B- like, B- Audi. BMW yeah. was a, uh, a airplane. Or maybe it was engine, the Audi un- engine manufacturer. BMW yeah. manufactured, like, four planes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I think the that's what the the, the logo specifically on the yeah. logo of the BMW. Um, the black represents the propeller, yep. and the white is like the propeller, and the blue is the sky. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean they're still probably some of the most well. Yeah, Hitler rolled around cars. on his V Dub, bro. Yeah, a bunch of Nazis driving around <laughs> right now, dude. If you're driving a Jetta, you're a Nazi. <laughs> that's what's gonna happen, dude. I'm calling it out right now, dude. If I was Joe Rogan and said that. Dude, Volkswagen stock down harder than the brake so failure. Saying that should probably short. when they lied about sh- the brakes not working, <laughs> the stock's gonna tank, dude. Think Yo, about that. They're calling out. They're calling out. They want, dude. Did you hear about this? They want to rename the uh, f- like twenty two different bases: Bragg, Benning, um, a bunch of like all, like anything that was involved in the Civil War, like just because of the heritage. And Big Don was just like. Uh, not while I'm president. Yeah, and I was like, "Damn, I'm, I agree with him for a change." Yeah, I was say I I saw something that said they're about to start renaming. I I didn't read into it because I, I was like, like, "I need to know this." Yeah, I don't think but, it'll go through on that level because the army is kind of like, nah. Yeah, Fort Bragg was named after Braxton Bragg, who was an army officer in the Second Seminole Mexican American War, and later a Confederate Army officer. Right, yep. but yep. I, I think they. But he they, expanded they got, this like, country. That's why they named yeah. the base after him because he was he was crucial to the expanse of the westward expansion. Right. When he came back from the massacring of the Indians, he then had to fight in the South because that's where he was from. Yeah, he's from North Carolina, right there. I've also Google if he was a slave owner. He was not. Mm, doesn't mention that on. Wiki- I'm using he wasn't funny. He wasn't rich enough. I'm pro- I'm pretty sure he was not rich enough to be like owning anything but his socks. Mm. <laughs> just a bad. He was just a good, good old American player. I mean, they took. They're saying that Gone with the Wind. I could be wrong on that. Is, fact is too racist to have on HBO. What is? What is wrong with people? Like, have you seen Gone with the Wind? What is that movie about? It, I, I, don't I don't even remember. Yeah, like, we probably like, had to see it in high yeah, school. I think so. Council Rock did that. Yeah. <laughs> There's this woman that's like portrayed. I don't know if she's a a a servant or whatever, but 
if people aren't smart enough to to disseminate between like now and when that movie's context was taken, right? And so what's the premise? It's like a plantation movie, yeah. And exactly. There's like, there's like slave connotations, correct? And they're saying that people can't handle that today's in today's culture. It's like, dude, maybe maybe they have to have a little more faith in in humans being intelligent. If they're really that dumb that they can't disseminate, maybe they should get upset. But that's right. why that's why I took up a stance against the Confederate flag being ripped down everywhere. Most places it shouldn't really be flying. Like it doesn't make sense for it to be there anymore. Like no political, no no political building that's part of the United States government should be flying the flag of a government that doesn't exist. Yeah. It tried to exist and fucking fell on it, fell on its face. But like to whitewash history, like if you start whitewashing it and allowing it, like it's very, very, like, I don't know where you draw that line right. that it doesn't go so far that, like, like there's things that have happened in history that I've, I learned in college that I should have learned from the book I read in high school, but it either wasn't in there or it was a little different. And, like, when you start f- getting that thrown in your face all the time and then the internet comes around for us yeah. and you get even more information on top of information, like, it's like, where do we draw the line upon, like, okay, the past wasn't a good time it's earth planet earth is this fucking terrible place it's dangerous but it's also the like the safest it's been on planet earth ever in the history so like i think people need to put like some sort of like context to like what their demands are and like what the reality is it's like i mean Corey, you would know better than anybody sitting at this table besides maybe andrew because he's an historian um (laughs) nerd (laughs) is history is more or less as violent as it comes, yeah. right? Major moves in the history of the world have always been violent. Yeah. The Crusades. Human the, beings are violent. Human beings are naturally violent. We're yeah. violent people. And they're just trying to, I guess, wash away the violence and rewrite history as this fluffy snowflake. Think right. of what the next generation is going to be like if they can't. How they, you obtain that goal of better people if you can't be honest about the past? Like yeah. you should be able you to go, you should be able to go up to a Confederate statue and explain it and be like, Hey kids, this dude right here, the reason like this statue is here is to remind us like, blah, blah, blah. This dude fought against, like he wasn't, you know, he wasn't fighting on the right side and you know, he got clipped like, <laughs> like or, they or, cut or, his leg. Like he, they, <laughs> dude, he got one of his legs hit by a cannonball and three days later they amputated. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, or, yeah. or it's like, or like there's a thing with like this like this like it's not all like the confederate flag isn't this like slavery symbol that everybody in the media and liberals sets out to make it like if you talk to people in the south like it means m- something much different it's part of their history like like people died waving that flag so like you can't necessarily go and be like look like we all agree slavery was t- terrible like that's not that's not an argued thing. Yeah. But it's like we're now making this argument come back up. And I'm like sitting around, I'm like, we're arguing about something that last week or the week before now. Like I thought accepted. I thought we I thought I got up in the morning and accepted all of these things already. <laughs> like it was just like yeah. you brush your teeth, this shit was like bad. Like racism is like I don't understand and I guess just, I guess something People are upset enough to obviously be doing something. I mean, do they? Do they so forget? like you can't do say it's not a real thing because a lot of people are upset about it. So something is real about what's going on. 
do they forget what the Union did to the Indians as they moved across America? Right. right? It wasn't mostly the southern states. It was the Union Army. Yeah. And and, and just their, their, you know. It's not. It's it, messy. History is messy, and we need to acknowledge it's it messy is. so you're right, so we can get better as a society. But we're calling And we can learn from it. But if we go back and we pretend that stuff didn't happen, yeah. we're going to start making the same mistakes over again. Yeah. But people are getting called out for stuff they did in the 90s. Yeah, you it's, know what I'm saying. Like the history, so much just got to stand up and be like, you know the what? Bandwidth is like, yeah. The bandwidth is like, the bandwidth is like, it's it's ever reaching. Like there, there's someone out there in the woke police is like just going to people's Twitter pages and just scrolling back. Like, oh, I got through 2015, nothing. Yeah. 2014. Oh, this bitch said some how, shit. How, how about this? Like, let me let me out this this person. Like, and it's just like, why? Why can't human beings are ever evolving? Like I take great pride in the human being that I have become over the last five years. Yeah. It took me huge mistakes, 18, 19, 20, 21, like thinking I want to do like all these things to create the well-rounded individual that sets before you today. Right. But like that took so much work. And I don't think people like acknowledge that like you have to start from somewhere low to go up to be on this like pedestal that everybody demands Absolutely. so so funny real quick before we volkswagen on wikipedia they have the history timeline oh, it's like 1932 to it, 38 just full disclosure it is wikipedia wikipedia they skip all of world war ii and they go 45 to 48 and then 48 yeah. to 61 they just eliminate 1938 to 45 like it didn't exist in volkswagen's yeah. history just so you know, <laughs> you can't find that. That's yeah, gone. I'm not. I'm not like I'm thorough. In my, in my <laughs> dude, it, it started with sense. with uh, Tim Kennedy. He had this show, um, like hunt, Nazi Hunter or something like that, where he was going to South America. You remember that? I've, I've seen the uh, the trailers for it or whatever. Yeah, I caught like two episodes of that, and that was all I needed. Yeah, I was hooked. Yeah. I was like, well, they're going to find these Nazis. <laughs> going to get them. And I'm like, then I did the math. I'm like, wait, a lot of these dudes are like probably dead. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, when they immigrated to you know, like South America, they were like 45. And I'm like, oh, well, starting in 2015. You don't not, really need like, to find <laughs> them anymore. They're not doing anything. <laughs> the other yeah. yeah, I was like, we're going to throw threat. them in jail in their <laughs> wheelchair. Like, they are oh, no shit. threat to society. And it's terrible. They got away. But like, what about all the dudes? The, like all the stuff at NASA is going to come out soon too. Because a Warner von Braun was like, he would um, when he was a Nazi, he would like he would do things like um, and I might be getting this like slightly wrong, but he would like make the Jews sing in the camp, and whoever sung the quietest, he would execute them, and then he'd be like, "All right, we'll see you guys next Friday." Right. And I'm like, that dude ran NASA. Yeah. Yeah. Our Isn't po- that insane? They're gonna flag our podcast for saying Nazi too many times. Yeah. <laughs> Flagged, dude. Just so everybody's clear, we have a huge American flag flying here. <laughs> We've got an eagle knife to describe this knife. It's about the length of Jonathan's forearm. It'd be classified as sword in any other country. <laughs> and as, a, as an American flag, well, it's like a bald eagle is the handle, and it looks like it's wearing an American flag as a turtleneck. So, so, <laughs> so Corey, Corey, what do you what do you feel about some of these guys coming back that sell their stories from their experiences to make financial gains? Is that is that like a subject that you have any opinion on? Well, in, in what sense? Uh, like, like some of the guys coming out that were, 
you know, in a, a, let's say a special forces or some unit oh. like you were in, they come back and like they just they share they write a book they write a book and they probably a share a little bit too much and like there's definitely differing opinions about right. and then well, it gets Hollywooded up and yeah yeah I mean I th- I think that's a big problem and say you know but most people don't care about their story until it does make it to a movie and then right. once it's a movie it's really not necessarily the story that they wrote um, I personally don't think that they should be doing that um, right. you know you you know to me then it's like well what you know what was your ulterior motive as to you know like serving your country and stuff like that um i mean i get why some of them do it they think they have a story or a message that needs to be told so like i i get it on one hand um i also don't think that um you know i don't think you should be you know using your experiences and stuff you know to um you know or when you were supposed to be selflessly serving your country and then when all of a sudden you stop now you just go back and tell everything that you did selflessly to make a ton of money you know that's they're very contradictory things right, right. there but how do you feel about like politicians doing that too like when you have like the clintons leaving the white house or obama leaves the white house and his net worth increased like 400% yeah. in like the first couple months of him leaving the white house Right. I mean, I, I think it just goes to show just, you know, I think no matter what, people are just extremely selfish human beings. Uh, you know, yeah. and, and everything is going to, everyone is going to do whatever they can to find a way to turn a profit. And like, okay, I'll, on one hand, I get it. I understand that. But that's also, I believe, what it what leads to the majority of our problems here in the United States is that, again, everybody is out here to turn a profit. So all these stories and stuff you see in the media and stuff like that, like, are they to give you information or are they to create controversy to turn a profit? And, um, you know, yeah, I, we talked about that uh, last podcast that okay. that was the origination. That was the origination of Corey coming on right. was yeah. he saw like I started seeing like he yeah. said something and I was like, oh, dude, I want to talk to him about this. Yeah. You know, and I think your perspective is really important because, you know, power you know, and as a politician, power is money, yeah. right? You don't need money to be powerful, but you it's hard to be – you see what I'm saying? Like, as a politician, when you co- get done serving your country – You have or, a, you have a voice. You have once, more power you get that will lead to money. Yeah. Money can't necessarily always lead to power. Trump is trying. But right. power I mean, dude, can Scott, usually Tony, lead Tony to money. Tony Montana <laughs> says otherwise in his, math, his cocaine mathematics, dude. It says – First, you get the money, then you get the power. Yeah, I think I think for politicians, it works the other way around. You get the power, and then the money just follows. It's just never ending. To yeah. that sometimes, sometimes, sometimes they're rich when they run for like political office, and people don't realize it. Like Gavin Newsom, like they're they, like Nancy. Pol- you know, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. I I think that's like the third time I've dropped this on the podcast. Is going Nancy Pelosi again? Yeah. His uh, mother-in-law is Nancy Pelosi. Right. Yeah, they're rich as shit. Yeah. They, they're they're so like the biggest, banker money. The biggest state, Democratic state in the, in the country, big time on the hedge fund team. Right. Yeah. Interesting, right? Hmm. Kumo's I mean, probably tied in there somewhere. You just yeah. take those two states in there. He's got yeah, the Democratic he, Party. Yeah, he was probably like their, their um, caddy. What? How do you think those guys <laughs> feel? They just can't. How do you? Th- how do you think those guys feel in Seattle? They essentially gave up six by six blocks in Seattle yeah. to the Antifa or whoever yeah. it is. Right. I don't know what you're talking about. 
they completely gave them blocks of the city with two police stations and said, you can have this territory. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> you missed it's, that? No, that happened? Yeah. Definitely. So the police department of Seattle and, and, and or mayor's office, and ma- mayor's office relinquished American property yep. Yep. to an organization to govern themselves. Yep. 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 And, and so uh, now there's another plan there. I say they they had I, some demands, but I think their I think their demands for when they relinquish the area back to like America is I, I'm pretty nobody sure nobody goes like to defund jail. all the police, um, defund it was like not even defund police, it, it, was, it was abolish police. It was, it was also like get rid of everybody in jail gets let out. Yeah, everybody abolish the court system. Um, basically, basically they just want to live free with you know nothing, no no consequences, no Yo, nothing. Th- Trump threatens to take back Seattle. Yeah, I would I would hope so. <laughs> you know, it's it's insane. insane. That, that oh my god! And giving the uh, we the so trending society that we live in, I can't imagine. Look, like, wait, it, look at how big of a space they took up. Yeah. Holy shit! They've got open green ground. Yo, they, they have gra- a they, baseball field. They can yeah. farm. They're fully sustainable. You know what? You know what? They're gonna their first their first vote. They're gonna have to pass. What? Whether or not to build a wall. They already did. They already did. They already did. They stopped people from coming in. Says would they build a like a like a gorilla wall out of tires and just stuff? They're saying that just anything. So funny because the protesters are protesting against diversity, but they're blocking people from coming into their own society. (laughs) What a fucking joke, dude! This whole thing's just getting out of control. When when do you think it? Like, how do you like? How do you see like election season playing out? Like, like do you like? Because the the gentleman we had on the was a lawyer. Um, and he was—he lives in the city of Philadelphia, so he's very much tied to the protests and the rioting. And his experience, um, even what he voiced to us after we recorded, was like, "Wow, yeah. very, very, very much not the pic." I was like, "I didn't realize it was that serious." And he's like, "Oh yeah, like explosions are just like, like dude, like he's like I stayed, you know, one night, like, and I was just like, I like I." I won't share like what he said, but like I was just like, oh my god! Like I didn't really know it was that out of control. Yeah, um, you know, and I mean the way, again, the way things are going in Seattle right now, the way things are going in Minneapolis right now, and the and and again the f- the fact that we live in a trending society, you know, as long as something starts trending, everybody else will follow. Like if that starts to become the new trend, which I would imagine a lot of people are trying to plan right now, you know, like where where does it stop? And um, I I do believe that this thing going on in Seattle is not going to be the last that we hear of it. I think it will happen in another CD or, you know, maybe not as big, but it's going to happen somewhere else. Do we have, do we have any concern for like any sort of foreign? um, I would think they're trying to, not necessarily like a beach invasion, but like, like when, like when Russia went into Crimea, like and everything, like, you know, you do get experiences where people are where they shouldn't be. Yeah. I personally don't. Um, that would be exhaustive, right? Yeah. I like now. Don't get me wrong. If I was a foreign country and I wanted to destroy America right now, it's the time to strike. We're so vulnerable right yeah. now. Um. So like, this would be the opportune time to you know to launch, and I wouldn't say an invasion because uh you know that's very difficult. Throw to, some punches. Yeah. But now would be a time to start to start kicking us while we're down and just you know hopefully push us past that point of no return to where, you know, we just go into a full-fledged spiral of just, you know, just... It wouldn't, it wouldn't take much. I mean, no. I think democracy's pressed about as I think pressed I feel like we're doing it ourselves. Yeah. It's like, it's a self-serving 
uh, what do they call that? Self-fulfilling prophecy. Prophecy. Yeah. I mean, China and Russia are probably sitting back just like, let them go. They're looking over the wall yeah. like, yo, man, what are, you, what are you guys doing over there? Yeah, like, like, what's going on? Yeah, like right now, <laughs> they don't need to get involved. Like, we, we're, we're doing we're it ourselves. Doing ourselves. Yeah, yeah, China, China is busy doing their own thing right now. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that China economically, even before COVID-19, was experiencing like their worst economic year Which it did, was in it would, 70 it years but now growth. they're they're now increasing how many years like it's been since they've had that bad of a year economically so you see the covid-19 um happen and we'll like we'll get more information on that like as it you know develops but hong kong probably Prior to all of this, like you, you have different territories being taken back by, you know, socialist or I mean, communist and like, you know, somewhat fascist countries like it. People don't study history enough and everybody forgets all this stuff. But in World War Two, Japan stepped into Manchuria because they had a chip on their shoulder, much like China does economically. And they needed resources and. Like all of these, and you know, you you have these movements that if they don't go unchecked domestically and abroad, that like it's almost like people aren't seeing that like history is repeating itself with these conflicts. Well, absolutely. With the adage of social, with the social media element that drives us crazy. It's like an accelerant. Just accelerating everything. It is. It's just it's spreading misinformation at a at a rate that is not comparable to any time in in our history. And that's um, probably where the other where the other countries are pressing the hardest right now. Yeah, because they can spread it quickly. Absolutely. You know, what do you? How do you feel about like Trump stepping in on Twitter and things like that? Like it's it's pretty kind of it's it's relatively fascist in policy to do something like that. Yeah. Um. So. I mean, when I see, I don't know, just when I see a, a president spreading his message through Twitter, period, just seems very unprofessional to me. Um, now, I know that is a way of society and a way of the future, I guess. Um, it just, to me, it, it doesn't strike me as professional and just something a president should be doing. Um, now, that I mean, I'm sure that's debatable. You know, from No, but he's like, given orders to the military off of Twitter. Right. That, that like, people get confused. And then, you know, like he declared Antifa a terrorist group on Twitter, which right. he, I guess technically couldn't have done. Um, I guess for him probably it's, it's his way to get his message directly around yeah. the media. Which I totally, I totally yeah. sympathize with the president being able to be like right from my mouth yeah. to the whole world. Right. right. But it's the way he goes about doing it that undermines him and his authority and then also it kind of it kind of increases the like blowback in terms of like we're seeing the most radical fucking behavior from people on on every level just because he has raised the bar on like what is what the bullshit meter is yeah yeah I mean, yeah, I, again, it, like, it, everything has its pros and cons. Like you said, like, it is a great way to be able to get your message out like that. Now, I guess, in my mind, it, like, I think sometimes, you know, whether you're the president or whatnot, like, maybe taking a step back and only addressing the nation through these, you know, um, 
through these more formal addresses might give you time to think things through a Strategize little Strategize a little. Yeah. yeah. Get some get some more opinions and stuff like that. And I agree uh, you with know, that. take a step yeah. back. I totally agree with when that. When he was yeah. running for president, I don't know if you guys noticed, he would always write out like a full letter of his intent. And then he would post the letter on Twitter or oh, Facebook. Yeah. It was a well, like it was a long written w- letter of why he's saying what he's saying. Okay. Mm. Um, but that even seemed like that was more formal than what he's doing now. Yeah. He's got so much shit to do in a day. It like does. some, I don't. How does he do it? How does he do it? I can't imagine trying to deal with all the things that go on in the world that the United States is known to be. In How on do you expect him also to be successful? Also secretly in on. Right. How? Yeah. I don't. I just. Because I, like he's control. He's he's concerned with things abroad. Things domestically. He's concerned with what's going on in Minneapolis at a police station where somebody kneeled on a fucking dude's neck inappropriately. Like he's concerned with like whether or not Florida's going back. He's he's mad at Como for sending people into nursing homes while they're still sick. Like he's concerned with so many levels of shit that like how does anybody expect him to be successful? Nobody's gonna be like look how much stuff we manage. And we're like slowly adding players to our team in, with intention, but like we know areas that like we know like we need to get better in this area, and we're dealing with a relatively small business. Like, could you imagine what like like you can't have enough people? Like, so it's like you decentralized command. Like, you gotta appoint people to do the jobs for you, and like yeah. appoint the right people and train them and teach them so that like you're like, hey, these are our, eth- this is our ethos or our code or our like ethics, and we don't we don't break them for anybody, right? And then go do your f- jobs, but like he's literally doing that. He fires somebody he has every goddamn yeah. week. Like yeah. it's like, why are you f- like? How did you have the time to stop to think about that dude's fucking job? Yeah. You're not concerned with like, and like I don't know. And you get you got tons of training on like how to disseminate information down the ranks, so yeah, you I probably mean, get burned by that. I mean, it, it it's just it, it, I mean, what one president's responsibility if they're actually trying to be involved in all these issues is it's just way too much. Uh, there's it's no possible way one person can effectively manage so many different things, um, which you know I I guess is why a lot of things get lost or maybe a lot of messages get. Um, like, you know, not not lost, but a lot of messages get twisted and stuff like that. Um, I think, like... Misconstrued. Yeah. We were talking about how nobody goes backwards. Like, say I say something, be like, hey, Corey's a racist. Yeah. And then people find out, be like, oh, he's not actually a racist. This is good information. You know, he's, dude, he's... He's actually he's actually married to like a beautiful black lady. Like he's like, can't be racist. And then like the news never goes back no. to be like actually we found out that Corey's married to a beautiful black lady. They used to and do that. He's not a racist. Yeah. But like they don't they don't go back and check that. And nobody does. They used to do it in newspapers. They used to have like editors redactions redactions and yeah. comments and and, and whatever. is that the word redact redaction? Well, I think redactions where you take a document and you redact out right. sensitive information. Okay, it's a word. I think. Whatever they go back and they fix that shit, right? right? They, you go <laughs> fix it. But do you think? I mean, look look at other countries and how they're set up with other different forms of government. They they do disseminate a little bit more of the powers, yeah. so it's like less unless you have a dictatorship, and then basically you're just controlling through like fear and death. Right. But you know, you you look at other uh, other countries like 
you know, they have a prime minister. Some have presidents and prime ministers. Yeah. And they do different roles. Some have a monarch and a prime minister. Right. Or, like, they combine different forms of government. And those cultures are so much older. And you probably saw that when you went overseas. America is so young in its identity. Yeah. It's like we're having a it's like we're having a teenage identity crisis right now. We are, and um, we're definitely. Dude, that's actually that a great way to describe. It is, and uh, you know, and I think it is because we're we we're also trying to do so much more than all those governments and nations and stuff, right? Yeah. Because most of them are relatively um, like universal as to who they are, you know. Whereas yeah. we, we are are just a melting pot of, you know, people from all different cultures trying to come together and trying to respect everybody, trying to do this and that. Like, I think like what's, was leading so much into that identity crisis is that like, we're, we're trying to please everybody. We have so much going on. We have so many cultures that people just don't understand. And, um, you know, like it, I'm not going to say it's an impossible balance, but like, it's not surprising why we have so many problems. We're right? going to snap. Yeah, and just like, like that, America is going to snap. Right. And they're going to have to start saying no to things. Yeah. Just like every adult, when they go, when they, when they, you learn the power of no, you're like, wow, my life just got way more effective and easier. America needs to learn how to tell people's no. There's a book about that for, um, it's a, it's a parenting book. I haven't read it yet, but I'm, next in line to read the book um, called Raising Lions. Yeah. And the premise of the book, which I'm excited to read, even though I don't have kids, is that as parents or leaders or like that authority figure, if you can't outline the repercussion and follow through with it without reconsideration, like you will never raise children or anybody lead anybody successfully like without demonstrating those boundaries and like example being like your kids are, you know, being bad and you take away ice cream night. Mm -hmm. But like later in the day, they're being really cute. And like you give ice, give them ice cream night back. You just fucked up because they now think every time you say something, they can do something else to, get back. to undo yeah. that. And, like, what you end up doing is you raise children, and this was very active when we grew up. Like, we we grew up in the epicenter of this, and kind of, in my opinion, yeah. that, like, people were not really clear on what the boundaries were because they weren't ever really defined the boundaries at a younger age. And then throughout their life, it was always, and then they got to, you know, the real world and... You know, we have the largest drug problems of all time. Yeah. We have depressions at the highest, of, allegedly, of all time. Anxiety. We have these newfounded, newfounded mental issues every new every week. There's something new, and like nobody's exercising, and nobody has clear boundaries for themselves. Right. I mean, it's like we, like you literally said right before um, we started. Uh, you were saying like no, nobody can even make a statement right now without immediately sending out an apology for what they said. Like so. The, another problem that leads into, you know, us trying to blend all these cultures and stuff together is that, like, we, we can't even sit down and have a real conversation without being so afraid of offending somebody. Like, we will never get to the real root of our problems here in this country because everyone's so afraid to say what's on their mind and actually talk about the, the real issues. As soon as somebody does bring up a point that concerns them, whether they are of a multi-million dollar rich white person yep. guess what that is one culture that is in our society if they can't speak their mind 
you know, and I'm not saying that they're right by any means or should get any, but like if no, they can't they have, speak they their have, they have their own voice, right. right? Like if they can't speak their mind, then, you know, and I, which I think is a big problem right now with people with the Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter thing is like, you know, no, nobody can, nobody can just speak their mind and just, you know, like remove their emotions from things and just listen to every part of our, you know, listen to every culture, every, um, do, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, like, I, I, I think what you're saying is, and I, I'm a true believer of this, and if you're not saying this, correct me. It's not a race thing that we're going through. I think it's a income culture thing. Yeah. Right? It is. It, it, it is a, there's a serious gap in income levels, more so than there's been in a long time in America. Yeah. Um, Sorry, even more so than um, in the last just couple months. Yeah, and and, and that, that gap is going to get bigger. Yeah. And the differences of culture between someone who has to decide whether to have food or gasoline and someone who has to decide, like, do I take the G5 or the G7 today? Yeah. Al Sharpton. Right. Flamer. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like... That gap is getting so much bigger. It's hard. It's hard for Al Sharpton to relate to the guy who's got to decide on whether to put food or gas. Right? Al Sharpton is America's. They, they top say racist. they say he's too he's too popular to get audited by the IRS. Like he's untouchable, but he hasn't paid his taxes for all the money he's collected and just. Kept. Right. Yeah. But right. Right. Are, I don't know enough about that, but Al Sharpton's a racist. Yeah. I would agree right. with that. Um, he hates Jews. It's documented. It's unreal, the stuff he gets away with you know saying. Why, you know why? Because he, he, the more racist America is, the more money he makes. Like, yeah. I haven't seen him on he TV. Play, he played a large him. part in inciting, like, two different national riots before. Like, he's... He hasn't been in the news in a couple of years, and now he's yeah. back. Yeah. Right? And well, he, he just made all his money. Michael he Brown. Got, yeah. He probably got paid for the funeral he went and spoke to. Oh, absolutely. So, some, Somebody paid him. Yeah, some deep state woke paid him. But, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think just going back to the class, we have to acknowledge that it's a class income it is. thing, and and how do you disseminate that? Because I don't know if there's been any other culture in the history of the world that's been able to figure it out. Right. There's a lot of poor people in the world, and they're just kind of shoved to the side. Right. Right. America's trying to figure it out, but I think their messaging is getting stuck in racism. It is, and it's you know, and I feel like that's also then shutting down like. That's shutting down communication between the super rich and, and yeah. the poor. Um, because, again, like nobody can just speak their mind and have a real conversation about it. You know, if, if, the, if that CEO that we were talking about earlier, if he, if he hates black people, okay, well, instead of just being like, oh, well, you know, we don't want you're like, whatever, we don't want to do business with you anymore and stuff like that. Like, he's still going to make his money. But, like, instead of taking offense at it and getting emotional about it, why don't we ask this super rich white man? Why don't you like black people? Like, yeah, can we talk about that? Yeah. Like, and then maybe if we get to the root of that issue, like, maybe we can all start coming to a middle ground. It's probably like, gonna go back to where he got beat up in like elementary a, school. There's a, like, there's a musician, dude. I can't, I cannot remember this guy's name. I got Google right for the here. life I'm of me. Find it, find but it, Johnny. Type in like musician, um, KKK, something like that. Like, so like this black musician. Um, meets a member from the KKK after a performance and ends up like having a conversation with this guy. And, and then Daryl they, Davis converts KK Ku Klux Klan member. Wow. Yeah, say his <laughs> name again. Say his name again. Daryl Davis. Yeah. Excellent musician, but he is converted to how many now? Like 
tons of KKK people. 200. 200. 200. 2017. And, and he keeps their hoods as right. souvenirs. That's so awesome. he meets with these dudes and, like, just talks with them. And, like, the first guy he met, he's like, well, he's like, I, I've never talked to a black man before. Right. This, the this guy, guy? The guy was in the Ku Klux Klan, but he had never actually even talked to a black man before. <laughs> so, like... When he had t- when he when he went through this whole thing, he was like he turned he gave he like turned he turned to Mr. Davis and was just like, "Here's my hood, dude. Like I can't be a part of this organization. Yo. Like I feel like you deserve this." And I was like, "That every time I see these people attacking each other, or blocking each other, or canceling each other, I'm like, why aren't they like like why don't you want to talk to me and be like, why do you think about this right. way? Like I would like I don't I, understand I why really that's so, why is that why is that so." I don't understand. I'm I had a really stark yeah. image of what the guy looks like. Mm. Like everyone has an image in the Daryl Davis. This guy looks like this is what the guy looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I knew what he looked like. So oh, you already knew what he yeah. looked like. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't picturing that. I was not <laughs> yeah. picturing that guy. Yeah. But that's yeah. yeah, he's not a good looking guy. No, no. But you're absolutely right, though. I mean, I feel like that. That. So you're that saying if he gets raided by the police and they find all these hoods in his house, they're gonna. Well, I mean, he's like a public. I think he's written a book about it now. But, but, but like, so like, that's like a great example. No, it's it, anytime you have someone that animately disagrees with something that you're like, whoa, because you know, their perspective is different, right? And it could be anything. It's like you disagree. Why? Because I fully believe in this. Yeah. Right. During this whole thing, like this whole recent conflict with like the protest rioting, I think I invited. Uh, probably five people of like very, very different viewpoints from what I could see from their social media. Obviously never talk to these people, but like Mm. fuck the police protests Mm. signs like in succession. And I'm like, Hey, like I'd be really interested to understand. Cause like some of these people are like, you know, have resumes work at, pretty decent places or have went to different good colleges like i know them to be intellectuals so i'm like dude they all like all of them except for one who i very excited i'm very excited to do kind of like a a, like i'm not super right but like i'm gonna put the right face on yeah and like we're gonna do we're gonna like hopefully do like a a regular semi-regular like maybe once a month get together on like some current events and like we're gonna talk about it as like my like my point of view representing like this side and we're gonna be honest like if like don fucks up i'm gonna be like you that's stupid like the right the republicans don't even agree with that anyway you have this these these reasons for it um so like we're pretty excited for that but i'm like very very privileged to be like a part of like this because like we get to have the opportunity to have these conversations hopefully in the future with people of like very different viewpoints and hopefully build an audience where like we can have somebody that like I don't necessarily agree with at all on hear them out and then just be like all right cool like we can like we'll figure that out you know so it is. I mean, that that's the only way we're ever going to get to a good place is if, you know, we, we actually sit down and start listening to the other side. And, and again, and not, not just hearing them and hearing their voice, but actually like listening and understanding the why behind all of these problems. Because until we figure out yeah. the why, there we you can't just throw money at everything. You can't just put a rule in place that's going to stop everything and save everyone's lives. Like, you need to start addressing the why people feel this way or why you know, our country is heading this way and start attacking that, you know, the root of the problem. But that 
that is always the it's no matter what it is, it's going to be a long road, and nobody wants to take the long well, road. I don't think anyone wants to take that slow, long, no. progressive road. They're already putting out legislation about police reform, yeah. and I feel like they haven't debated and talked about it enough. It's, it's been less than two weeks. So yeah. yeah, it's like now they have a bill on the floor. Yeah, for 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 how to reform the police, and it's like I don't think they I don't think the police should be the ones meet. Like there definitely should be well thought out improvements made there yeah. um immediate things that could be done is like legislation on drug laws like legal federal legalization of weed like stop locking people up for something that's like what i see is just be, as bad as alcohol maybe that's going to be the trump card yeah maybe he's going to slap that right down on the table right before november yeah because like everybody can just like everybody can agree surprise me yeah that actually it's a good move yeah (coughs) i hope so because like every like you can agree or disagree about whether or not like weed is positive for any given individual i know people that are very negatively affected by it and i know people that like i probably wouldn't be friends with if they didn't like smoke so much weed and go through a college transformation and like sure. become a more reasonable human being, like through listening to like, you know, it, yeah, whatever it's, hippie music, like to ska music and smoking weed. Like, right. so like it affects everybody differently. And I, I have seen the ramifications of alcoholism and, you know, alcohol and family and like things like that, that like that's legal. I I think that weed should be legal too. Like if if we're talking about like what's damaging communities of poorer class, it's locking people up for things that like if that eighth of weed was a forty of hurricane, probably not they searched. probably not going right. to jail. Maybe. But it's like okay, now you just put a dude in jail for just like a possession charge, and he's already got five of them, so he's going to real jail this time. Yeah, and yeah. it's like okay, so you got five charges in succession of just like a little bit of weed, like. I'm sure there's cases of that. I'm not referencing any sort of anecdote, but like we need to start thinking about like what's important and the way we treat our people, regardless of like the race war conversation. Like we need to be clear as to like what do we want for the people of this country? We want immigration. We want the smartest people everywhere else in the world to want to come here. I so think we, we could all agree on that. So we need right? so like straight so up. Start there. If I was running, if I was running for president, or if I was running a presidential campaign, because I absolutely would never do that. Yeah, I, this I, is I feel right. like you'd have to be on the sidelines on that one. Yeah, I would definitely get. <laughs> oh Jesus, <laughs> they would dig deep. I'd definitely have said something. <laughs> They'd find it. Um, challenge accepted. Um, <laughs> right off the bat, like the legalization. You want to open the borders, but you want to be specific about who you open the borders to. You do want the best and the brightest minds coming in. Sure. But you also don't want to be unfair to, like, the lower side of things because, like, our country is run by farming culture. People forget that because you live so fucking far away from farms a lot of times that you can't realize how much work and how how laborious it is to to run a farm. You don't even know what it takes and how many people... And a lot of those times, those jobs are immigrants. And if we're, like, making it super hard for them to, like, sneak across the border for three months to till the field up so that you can get avocados at a cheap price, 
So it's like the same people that are like, oh, my avocados now cost $9. It's like, yeah, but you voted for everybody to get kicked out of the country that's doing the avocados. Mm. So, like, they had to raise the labor rates because they had to buy more machines. Like, people don't realize the ramifications of, like, the deeper meaning behind their actions. Yeah. I also think that. Uh, or choices, rather. Yeah. There's universe, There's universal commonalities that, that I wish that the media and the people with a strong voice and outreach would focus more on like, we all want to help people that need help. Yeah. Right. That is a universal, I think accepted philosophy. Right. You want the smartest people coming into the country. You don't want to, you know, and then you get into topics like abortion, right. Which is a touch, which one. shouldn't be a government conversation. Right. It just shouldn't be a conversation. Agreed. Absolutely. Like, the fact that this keeps getting run up, the like, it's done. Done. Supreme Court, Roe v. Wade, proven good thing. Economically and everything. Like, just leave it the fuck alone. Stop trying. Like, mm. nobody should be running on whether or not they are pro or anti-abortion in the 2020 election. Yeah, I definitely it's, think that it's one's like a It's 2020. Touchy. You're old. If you're, if you're worried about that, you're fucking old. Because we went over the numbers for religion. If you're 65 or older the percentage of people of your age group that were raised non-religious setting was 3%. If you're our age demographic or just slightly younger than us, I think the, the years were 24 to 27 or it was 18 to 27, you are 22% more likely to have not been raised in a religious well, household. So you don't like, not that you can agree or disagree with any sort of uniform religion, but you don't, like we're having less and less people being bombarded with those policies that are religious based, and ab the abortion conversation is a religious based conversation. If you're uh, not like, uh, I'm gonna stop because like, would I, you say the largest lobbying group against abortion is probably Catholics? I, I would say that, but I, I disagree a little bit on that stance because at some point, that baby becomes a human, and the okay. We're, like that's we can explore this more, more than what I just did. Generalized yeah. statements. So, so what I'm saying is like open it there, up. There are definitely, and I'm not a woman. It's hard for any of us in this room to comment on. Pretty that. sure Corey's not a woman. He's definitely not a woman. <laughs> there, there is a time that we can argue and debate of when that thing becomes a person. Right. That's an arguable and debatable thing. Right. You can science also has settled that. Well, science would say that as soon as it becomes contracted it's a it's a human that's what science would tell you but then what do you constitute a human i think it's too much of a complex thing just to brush over like we, we just did i i don't want to talk about abortion on here because we're not factual but i think that what is debatable about abortion yeah, i'll just leave it there so. is is when it becomes a when you designate it as a human because mm -hmm. like you can't you don't want to be killing a baby at 20 weeks because that thing can survive sometimes outside of a womb at 20 weeks Mm. It's a human, right? It yeah. has a face, heartbeat, mind, it thinks, whatever. Um, but you also don't want to force someone to have a kid that had a bad experience and got raped or something like that, okay. like that's forced upon them that's going to ruin their life. Yeah. There's a time frame in there that I think is the debate. Right. And that's the hard part. Cause, cause Was it, is that true? Was I unclear that we're debating? Because like, I'm still thinking, like, we're debating on when the timeline is acceptable as a country. That's what the debate is? No, I think that's what the debate should be. Oh, okay. Yeah. I agree. I think, like, um, pretty much, yeah, kind of like what you're saying, that, like, why it should never just be brought up is because, like, 
we're never going to agree. You know, not not me and you, but like we as a country are never going to agree when that timeline is right. Yeah. So like why? But like, what is the quickest way? to put people into an argument or make sure they separate sides, you know, Republican, Democrat, bring up abortion. Babies. And then um, after unsolvable that, problem. Right. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as that election's over, you never hear about it again. No. I mean, not that you never hear it, but like you, you, you really don't. We haven't heard it. about it yet, but we will hear yeah. about it. And then as soon as the election's done, we'll, we won't hear about it for another four years. So do you think all this stuff calms down after the election? <sighs> It's hard. It's hard to say because every time I think things are calming down, I, I look on my phone yesterday and I see a city's been taken over. I thought we were on the track to a good path. Yeah, and I thought then, the protesters were all peaceful. Yeah, There's thirty thousand of them marching, and yeah, Seattle gets taken yeah, over. Yeah, next thing I know, like, and it's just like wow. So like, you set up like a sanctuary in your uh, gym <laughs> the one day. I did. I did because I, you know, again, like I, I felt bad for people. Like I understand that people are scared right now, especially because of the way, you know, the media can control the way, not control the way the media can influence how these things are going, you know? And, um, and again, just how bad the media made things look, you know, as far as basically if there's a protest coming, all your shit's going to be destroyed. You're all going to die. Like, you know, um, so I did, I set up a sanctuary in my gym the other day for people to come if they were scared. Um, you know, again, just to, just to give them, give them, you know, something, some normalcy. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, where they just didn't feel like they're, they're out there on their own scared of shit because the police aren't going to be able to do anything because they're busy. Like, you know, and so I just, just want to give people, uh, you know, and let, understand that like, just because like, you like, you're not forgotten about, um, you know, there are still people out here that are here for you that you never met before. Like just cause we're strangers don't mean we can't take care of each other. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, just, you know, community. Yes. And that's, that's the community. I think is the biggest thing that we're, we're missing in our country. When I think of what, why our country is just making such a radical shift to fucking chaos. Like, I just think there, there really is no sense of community anymore. And it, and it, again, it's one of those things that like it, it's not the solution to all of our problems. But it is an underlying influence in the way we're all raised and grew up. Like, I loved the way that, like, we grew up and stuff. Like, you know, we could, I could go to the neighborhood across the street from my house. Oh, dude, our neighbor, our neighborhood's like, so we grew up, like, in this, like, where, like, you had, like, the townhomes over here, single family homes over here. His neighborhood was across from our elementary school. Like, our, like, so, like, you could rally up a group of kids to pretty much do anything. Yeah. Like, you get sports games together. We played football after school every, like, yeah. with, like, two full teams. Like, right. we could get basketball games together like it was nobody's deal. Like, hockey. Uh, yeah. Like, where the time where we grew up and where we grew up, like, we are truly blessed. Yeah. And I definitely think it goes for a lot of people our age between 25 and maybe, like, 27 and 30 yeah. or 40. The idea of being kidnapped wasn't as... No. In fear of people's minds, dude. When you're rolling fifteen to forty kids yeah. deep, you're not nobody's. Yeah, you're scaring kidding. every adult by <laughs> right. themselves. And right? <laughs> There's nothing scarier than parents watching, like, weren't worried about us because we had teenagers coming at you. Like, oh shit, what are they gonna do? Do you yeah. mind you, if, dude? If Corey looked at you when he was twelve as a grown man, you were like, ah, uh, wrong group of kids. 
like even even like the all the parents were out in the streets and involved and stuff like that. Like there was yeah. just there was just everything wasn't just about us. Like it, you were just you were a part of something bigger than yourself. And um and I think people did they took a lot of pride not even necessarily pride, but um, you know, looking back on it, I feel like a lot of people really miss that because that was you know, it was just such a like it was a good time, you know, and now like I think as we move further and further away from these any site any type of um you know community orientation like and everything everyone's just out there f- for themselves you know problems are just just spiraling out of control like here and there like there's just and again like I, i'm not saying that this is a direct resolution to our problems but I there's think no one solution no. to so many dynamic problems yeah it's several but things community community slash family Right. A lot of time the community is the family. It doesn't necessarily have to yeah. be a traditional family structure. Dude, his Did street, you you, yeah. you would be envious of the street yeah. he lives on. Dude, yeah, everybody on move. the street, like, you can text, like, they have all the kids out front. They have movie night. Dude, they had, uh, you know, Nina's Waffles. The Still? Ice cream. Today? Yeah. yeah. That's his, like, I mean, where he's got three young kids. Yeah, that he, oh, we, yeah. we lucked out where a community was built. And everybody that moved in, it was like a first-time home buyer or second-time right. home buyer with kids. Yeah. All the kids are within like five years of each other. There's 30 to 40 kids on two streets. Dude, he'll send me a picture and it's just like, a, I'm like, dude, that's craziness. But like, we'll text, yeah. like, you know, and it's really good. It's good for me. It's good for the family. One, now that there's numbers, like the kids can feel freedom by right. going anywhere in the neighborhood and anywhere around. Yeah. Um, there's plenty of parents like establishing a perimeter. Yeah. Um, the adults text each other and hang out all the time. So everybody gets like that 30 minutes of laughing and reprieve from like the stressful day. Right. Cause what I was finding and the, one of the reasons that we like maintain where we live is everyone wants to do a play date and plan something. And as you know, as kids, the most fun you have was like spontaneous yeah. organization. Yeah. Like all of a sudden you just had like, you know, a giant game of hide and go seek or a right. paintball game or whatever it is. And I just see too many, a lot of my friends, and, you know, I have choice words for how some raise their kids, and I'm sure they have choice words for how they raise mine, but if you're going to raise a bunch of, you know, sissy kids that are, like, afraid to go talk to the neighbor across the street because he's a stranger and he didn't set up a play date, who knows what that's going to do? Because you have have people our age that aren't, don't have those social – instincts right and what happens when it gets worse yeah and then i called somebody out for that once mm. it's somebody touchy, man when you call out their kids for being too soft it's like fuck nah, you that's you, not you went down a i didn't do that i didn't do that i do it it's not good i mean if it was like if you were being too soft i'd call you out but like if like if a stranger was like i wouldn't give like i'd be like oh that sucks yeah but <laughs> i called there was like <laughs> they'd be like oh damn those are gonna yeah. be weak kids um I'll think it, but I had a, I had a subcontractor that we had or a guy that worked for a sub and, um, he, when we would see each other in person, he would sit, he would act like he didn't even know me. Like he would be quiet or like look away or be like real, like, like, and like he would message me on, on Instagram and I'd be like, dude, why can't you, why don't you have the ball? I straight up said to him, I was like, why don't you have the balls to shake my hand when I walk? 
like what when I stop yeah. by or like if I see you like I say hi to everybody in the room but like somehow you're always like in a position where like you can't like you you can't let me engage you in conversation and I've now tried like you've been on my radar and like just never responds back have to that me. interaction he, he just doesn't, have doesn't skills does just like like I'm I don't know like it just doesn't like he maybe he was homeschooled or what like I don't know what the story is but like he yeah. didn't he missed out on some sort of interaction that like he is so shy as an adult that I'm like dude just come out of your shell yeah fucking human being like I know I've got a nice head of hair now my but my neighborhood <laughs> my neighborhood may not be very good my neighborhood may be a a big negative when all the kids become teenagers. Yeah, where's everybody yeah. in your park? And then you have, well, one, you're going to have a fucking parking problem, but two, yeah. you're probably going to have a sneaking in the house problem. Yeah. Right? It's going to be, we're going to have to team up as adults and yeah. like keep this shit under control. Because right now, what's happening is our neighborhoods, there are some teenagers that are there. They play this game called Manhunt, which I'm pretty sure is just a new way to say hide and go seek. Pretty much. Like Manhunt was yeah. legit in our, because they, they were building our high school when, remember that we yeah. play over there? They They bring in other people from other neighborhoods across into our neighborhood. Right. And so all of a sudden we have like foreign operators in our neighborhood <laughs> and it's getting out of control. Like you got 50 teenagers running around yeah. at 11 o'clock at night and something's you're bound that, to go. Back you're wrong. that dad. Me? You're like, get, get out of my yard. No, no, you're like the dude. In I just open the, the door and let the dog out. <laughs> and the dog is like, just nothing. The dog has no sensor. <laughs> Dude, I will say I, one one of the coolest. You you rescued a cat one time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. <laughs> as like a kid, all the other kids were like, "Let's go!" No, like, this no. wasn't as a no, kid. This was, this was, was like a recently. grown man. Yeah. <laughs> I did. <laughs> you're like if Corey doesn't smile, you're like, "Oh wow, he's real tough." And I'm like, "Yeah, he rescued a cat one time." I did. Like, it was, but like, I did. And I rescued that cat because that, that cat was so badass. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Somebody let that cat. I'll I'll keep this short, but somebody let that cat out of my n- old neighborhood that I lived in, and um, he was obviously a house cat. Like you know, he came up begging me for food when I was right. sitting out front one day. Whatever, I, I watched this cat grow from basically like a little kitten to just a full blown killer. And watching that, <laughs> watching the evolution of this thing that had no idea how to hunt or get food yeah. for himself and like it started with like a, a mouse yeah and all this stuff and then it led to he was just slaughtering rabbits on the daily like he could go kill an entire family of rabbits but like watching him like almost on the verge of like starving to death because i didn't feed him because i didn't want him to keep coming back at first because right. i'm like i don't know you know um so I had to kind of just let nature take its course and just watch him, though. And, like, he would always sleep under the one chair I would always sit on. So I just watched him for, like, you know, six months. And yeah. I just watched him grow and, like, survive winter and all this stuff. And eventually when I moved Fucking from cats. that when I moved from that place to the other one, I, I took his little ass with me. And, um, <laughs> Dude, cats? <laughs> cats are, cats are you're like, oh, savages. You're like, oh, I can't Dude, leave you behind. Like he earned my respect. The only, the only, <laughs> animal, the only animal in my house, I'm afraid, of is our cat yeah like i know i could tackle our dog and pin it down like right. i may get scratched up and stuff yeah but those cats are wild card man they are they, they go they go animal instinct quick they do they go outside and all of a sudden they just perk up and it's laser focused yeah they just look for something to kill Jimmy Love was like cats. Yeah. narrating this story and i was like jesus christ i just envisioned this like there it was you know like, i don't know it was, and then you got those awesome. people that get those serval cats what uh, they're like yeah, as big yeah. as you 
Yeah, and they're, they're and they're on leashes. They look like small cheetahs. Yeah, it's like, dude, that cat's gonna have a bad day and it's gonna fucking kill you. Yeah, and, you, and slaughter your kids. Yeah, that's and it won't think twice about it. No, yeah, if your cat's like the size of your dog, like you're gonna have a problem. You gonna have a problem. Yeah, it's like a pound it, cat it's rolling like around the size of a Great Dane. Yeah, no, maybe not as heavy, but like that's how tall yeah. those serval cats are. And they keep them in their house. And this is like, it's a thing. It is. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know. What maybe ca- maybe people who do get this what you're lacking should, in your should life should be eaten. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe you should be eaten. Yeah, like we but. need to be, you know, solving you know important problems like that. Like what what's wrong with these people? Like, did did dancing with the devil with these cats? What uh? What's your plan for like you opening back up? Like, are you? How are you gonna hit it? I honestly don't know. You know, obviously, still waiting to see what goes on. I know there was just that, you know, the the vote that went through the other night, and now Governor Wolf is vetoing it. Like, I, I still don't know where we stand as far as what, we can reopen. Do you have like a license that you have to maintain that they can take from you? Use an occupancy. Mm. Um, so, like, you know, that's yeah, I do have that. So, what's I think what's stopping you from doing like? park workouts or something like they're getting something like an open group thing organized i've thought about i've I noticed a couple other gym owners that did try doing something like that um where they've you know they've set up stations around like warmester park and stuff like that and um some of their members go and enjoy it and um you know some some don't but like my clientele and my like my are what we do is high intensity lifting. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like we need the weights. We need everything. Right. Like for to try and set them all up in a park or something. And, you know, it's just it's, it's difficult. Um so, you know, um I I did try a couple other things where I, you know, I, I wanted to try a couple other things before I started seeing all these other businesses get fined and all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, but And uh, so they, they were finding businesses yeah it, it, it's amazing that they took this target on these small i know man. these small you know businesses yeah. retail shops i mean you know a gym's almost like a retail shop yeah um but yeah and then they let some other things go completely unchecked yeah that's like to do like a park workout or something like that like i i would need a massive u-haul truck to bring I'll tell everything. you, yeah, like, you're you gonna know, be like, busy when it opens. I promise you that. That's There's a, gonna be a lot of pent up demand. Yeah, and I and I and I know people are. I know a lot of people are very excited to get back. I'm sure some people are still nervous. Um, you know, luckily my clientele is still like uh, we only have most of our we're in the you know 25 to to 40 range you know with a, f- a couple exceptions so you're 99.999 percent not gonna die and that's like you know it's, <laughs> yeah. so I, I don't think my clientele is too concerned um so i would just wish know. they would put out the stats that and they just came out today that 80 percent of the deaths in pennsylvania were nursing home deaths yeah so if you if you took that number and you said okay you're, you're like 70 and above 80 yeah. percent of the deaths are then the other 10 percent not you know the other 10 percent 90 percent of those were 60 yeah. And above. So you're talking about less than 1% chance of dying of those who die. Right. Which is then 5% or 4% of those who are tested positive. So if you're 1% of 5%. Yeah. Andrew's definitely ran that math before, but it's a lot of decimal places and nines. Yeah. And you're like, okay. This I love is how stupid. you just assume that. No, you definitely. You, have you a, sent me that. I have a before. spreadsheet. Yeah. You, you sent me that. Data I have Andrew's like COVID nineteen spreadsheet yeah. analysis. There really, it's not that fact. Like you know, and then you're talking about people who go to gyms are typically healthier, right? Right, healthy individuals. Like I'm pretty sure you're surviving COVID. Yeah, that's. I mean, like, 
Uh, and again, now no, I don't want to put a. I don't want you guys to feel bad about what I'm going to say because it's not it's not what it is. But like my dad, my biological father, mm-hmm. died roughly three weeks ago from coronavirus, right? Mm. But. He was he was already on his way out. You know, um, he was dealing with tons of health issues. He was right. in a nursing okay. home, like he was in a hospital, nursing home, stuff like that. And then, yeah, so coronavirus essentially, you know, put the nail in the coffin, right? But like he was on his way out. Yeah. So like now that's going to get chalked up to you know be able to start scaring people that coronavirus and yeah, like, he was yeah, suffering from was unrecoverable. Was I forget what the way that like they describe that in the medical industry when you you're you're on the digression. See, I'm not even so sure yeah. like. In lack of being insensitive, he might have died anyway. I'm he sorry. just happened to have yeah. coronavirus in his system. Yeah, mm. because they're saying that the the deaths of coronavirus are so wide range of things that cause a coronavirus death. Right. Maybe it's just in your system. Yeah. And you actually you ended up dying for something completely different, and because it was in your system, exactly, they tagged it. And Did you, you guys know funeral funeral? No, um, no, but uh, but that yeah, like he he was most likely probably going to die within four weeks anyway from mm. like you know kidney failure, dial- like not doing dialysis, right. blah blah right. blah. Like again, like he 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 was on that trajectory, and then um, you know, and then but again, I guarantee you his cause of death is going to be listed or sure. was listed it's as coronavirus. Coronavirus, yeah. So one good yeah. thing is it, it's. It's made younger people, kids, and adults face the fact that death is very real. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of positives that come out of it. Right. It's also made us face the facts that racism probably is real. Like, it's not probably. It is real. <laughs> <laughs> probably. I think so. No, no. I'm we say, thought it was already solved. <laughs> Jesus. No, it, it is real. And it's accelerated yeah. conversations. So out of every... Chaos and whatever. There's always calm, right? Things that come out of it. Hopefully, yeah. But in in that situation, like there should almost in a way, no one should be listed as a COVID nineteen death because you're not essentially dying from COVID nineteen. You're dying from the pre existing, yeah, whatever your well your pre existing conditions or anything, but like or heart failure in relationship to COVID-19. If you die of a heart attack and you have COVID-19, you didn't die from COVID-19. You died from a heart attack. Just, happened to Just be like if you, ha- if you had cancer yeah. and you had a heart attack while you had cancer, you wouldn't list it. It would be like, well, he died from a heart attack, but he was suffering from cancer. Yeah. Like you see how that like language, right that now, language is going to have coronavirus. They'd be like, he died. The coronavirus is like, well, I died of a heart attack. Yeah. Oh, I was. Yeah, I wasn't gonna take a heart attack. I was gonna say like texting and driving. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. I've done right. better though. Thank no, you. Yeah. Yeah. But um. But yeah. I mean, and that's again. You know, obviously now there people are already seeing spikes in in uh, in the areas that have lessened restrictions and stuff like that. So like, it, like, I just don't know where we're, where we're going from here. Like, yeah. are you gonna? Where do you have you started to think about how you pivot? <laughs> like as far as um, like maybe maybe the gym isn't like your primary source of income. Well, that's a, I mean it's definitely opening my eyes to you know some some real possibilities that uh you know I've been I've been working on some other things like just in case because uh, I mean 
who kn- I don't even know what, you know, obviously I'm hoping and I think everybody's general thought is as soon as gyms can reopen, people come flooding back. That may not be read out reality. I, I mean, I think it will be, but it yeah. might not be. Or yeah. what happens if, okay, everybody comes flooding back and then, you know, uh, Bucks Go- County coronavirus. And Governor so Wolf shuts it yeah, down illegally down again. again. Yeah, despite yeah. all the things you can do, there's still a lot outside of like yeah, your sphere control. of influence yeah. right now. So that's, you know, I mean, I'm definitely going to, uh, you know, I've been thinking about some other things. Like, again, I mean, you remember when we, we thought this was going to be 14 days? You know, when they when they originally said, like, we're going to go into lockdown for 14 days. Yeah, I didn't. I don't think that. anybody really thought that. But it was, no, I was, I was like, here we it go. Was like easing, it was like lubing it in. Right. Like easing it in, man. <laughs> it was. And that's like, you know. When and then that became three months right. pretty fucking quick. Yeah. And yeah. Do you, do you have anything that's like gym your gym related that you could do like are you going to make like a fitness video like i know like probably not but like is there anything like on the mind honestly if this if this were to happen again i would um i would probably have to shift to a complete in-home training structure and model and Mm -hmm. and just get rid of the brick and mortar gym Mm -hmm. you know it just it just would not make sense to to keep Build up hey. some sort of like weight rig and just like drive around. Yeah, with like it. I, yeah, I don't even know what like what that would look like right this second. But it, I would have to do something where you know I'm, yeah. I'm just going to people and, and training them, and um, you know, it, or just getting out of the fitness industry. Period, because it, you know, it, the the uncertainty of what what our future looks like, at least in the immediate future, is. I definitely yeah, I wouldn't f- give it up. Yet. I no, definitely no, 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 I wouldn't. But I definitely think that the security world the higher end security world is definitely going to thrive well especially because like people are going to defunding these police stations and stuff yeah you're you're a rich billionaire cruising around you may need a i'm not trusting a v12 bmw i already know uh, i could go up armored is that what we call it up armored v12 i know i could go pick up a lingo man i'm ready (laughs) i know i could go pick up a contract in minnesota and make probably Three times, pick up a contract in Bucks County. I know (laughs) he's gonna have to go anywhere. So it's like people want to keep doing, you know, going this route. That you know, I mean, again, like they're just these governments are talking about (laughs) defunding and dismantling police, and yet they're going to use that government money to hire a private military to protect them and leave the citizens with no police. I love how they 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 referenced Camden police, like the Camden police, and like they give them all this reference. Because they reformed their police department. Yeah. Their police department, I'm pretty sure, is three times as large as it was before the reform. So what they did was they kicked the union out of Camden. Right. And they saved all that mu- the money that the, hired more the union was sucking up. And they bought a whole bunch of cameras, a whole bunch of... Um, what are the... the, the Block re- 19s? No, the... Rep- like the... Sup- the sensors they put on the traffic lights to like sensor like bullets and shit like that. They said like they can track, they can Wait, pinpoint, they can triangulate they guns. They sense bullets. Yeah. Oh yeah, they have triangulate like in cities like mm. Chicago and Camden. It's like noise. They thing. have these noise um, things. Yeah, they measure like the volume that the bullets travel at, and they'll have them posted up at like different spots. So if like I raise up on you over here. At nine of nine fifteen, based upon like this sound picking up the the vibration, this one picking up the vibration, they can literally like pinpoint what corner you're fucking on. So they'll be like, "Oh yeah, we know the shit happened right here, fifteen yeah. minutes ago, boys. Where are you guys at?" Yeah. And I'm like, people don't realize that like Camden's like giving all this like, "Oh yeah, their police are so great," but I they tripled the still, size of their police department they, they're, and they they're have more money. Rate 
is still very high though. Yeah, they're still like the top. But they 10. added they're still so in the top ten most dangerous cities so in America. Right. All yeah. <laughs> but they're they're improving out of bankruptcy as a city. As a so city, like yeah. they're like, hey, this city without any money made all these changes, and then we're able to hire three times as many police officers and buy all this tech, right? Which makes them a better police department. And I'm like, okay, so the bottom line here is you created a solution, created a cash flow, and paid them or got more money for them. Right. Not took money away. Yeah. I was like, oh my, oh, my God, is anybody listening? And they're like, yeah, let's report. I'm like, they're, they're saying everything that you guys stand against, but you guys are – I'm so confused. I think they're confused. I don't think <laughs> yeah. they know what they want. I, I, think I know what I want. Right. You know what I mean? I think that's you the biggest problem. You know what you want. Yeah. I think that's the biggest problem that people have with these protests and stuff still is that, you know, I, I don't think a, a clear objective has been outlined. And um and I think, like, it, everybody was kind of behind, like, understanding and stuff. Again, it, it's only because, it, like, I truly believe it's only because it's trending that, it, you know, it's gotten, you know, and obviously given the circumstances that we're in. But um, when when I like at least me, I have not seen a clear, clearly outlined objective of what we're trying to accomplish with these protests. That's when they just kind of lose weight to me. And, yeah. Um, so if you I, if I you stri- if you strip down all media, and you're reading the newspaper, it's like one week ago, black man killed by dirty cop kneeling on his knee. Right. You'd be like, hmm, that sucks. Yeah. And you close the newspaper. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. But now that there's video, and like we almost had live footage, like coming to you live, you know, within eight, you know, a seventeen-year-old girl filmed that. Yeah, yeah. she could have gone live on Facebook, and her life, there, her life is never going to be the same. Not necessarily because she watched that, but because she was responsible for such a document, like documenting something so important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you know, don't get me wrong, I think it's great that we can, again, everything has its pros and cons, it's so great that we can spread a message so quick, and I think it is, it's pretty incredible to see how many Americans have come together, at least for surface and picture value, mm-hmm. whether they actually have deep down in the root of things, I don't know, That'll that's still to be determined. It, it is pretty incredible to see how quickly a movement can gain momentum. And and I do think this is the first time I've seen this many Americans, you know, on on the same side. But I just, I, I'm concerned that, uh, you know, the this opportunity to, to make real change to our society and everything and start addressing these real issues is going to be completely lost and completely squandered because I, I just don't think that there's a clear objective behind what's what's you know what what the movement is yeah. and um you yeah know. yeah no arguments there so i mean that's just mine yeah well we appreciate you coming out um yeah, like absolutely. this sh- like this show ultimately wouldn't the show exists for the guests and it wouldn't exist without with, the guests. without the <laughs> without the yeah. guests so like we're really grateful that you took time out of your day to come out here yeah. um you know Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me on, guys. It's a, it's a lot of fun. I tell you, I never did anything like this, but this is great. Yeah, so just to shout out your um, like Instagram, Facebook, like whatever you you know want the people to find. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Facebook, Gym 101, uh, Subway High Intensity Lifting, right? Um, Gym101fit.com. Um, we're not open right now, but... Um, <laughs> 
please, you know, as soon as, as soon as we can get open and whatever the restrictions are, you know, I've, I have a lot of systems in place to accommodate everything. You know, we're a 24 hour operation with coaching and, um, you know, and mentoring and whatever you need. But, uh, you know, I'm here, I'm here to help you get to your goals and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, and I will definitely attest to like Corey can help you, uh, mindset, yeah. frame of mind, fitness. There, there's more than just fitness that this, this guy can help you out. I'm truly blessed to, uh, have you in here today. Um, we'll be sure when, once you do open up, we'll, we'll blow it up for you across everything. Um, I appreciate that. We'll let Bucks County know as best we can. This was Andrew and Jonathan, the After 5 Podcast. Uh, per usual, you can find us after5podcast.com on Instagram, After 5 Life. Thanks for listening.